Okay, so every blessing to you all, and welcome back to my new walking, talking pulpit. I want to discuss today, if I may, the subject of depression. And on top of depression, the subject of despair and also doubt. The three terrible Ds. Depression, doubt and despair. And if you've been saved for any length of time, the chances are you've been through the mill. The chances are you've gone down many dark roads, many dark valleys, and you haven't always known what was awaiting you. And for some of you, you have hit rock bottom on more than one occasion. When we get saved, the Lord gives us everlasting life. He pardons all of our sins, past, present and future. And on top of that, we become royalty. We become adopted into his family. So for you brothers, you are princes of the king. And for you sisters, you are princesses of the king. You are royalty. And that is a pretty big deal. In fact, it's great news. And yet people continue to reject the word of God. They continue to rubbish the scriptures. They continue to undermine the scriptures, like the Catholic Church, which are very good at coming along and saying, you can't trust the scriptures or you can't understand the scriptures. You need the church fathers or the bishops of Rome to help you out with the scriptures. And yet the truth of the matter is this, they don't even believe the scriptures. That's right, they don't even believe the word of God. And if you don't believe me, just ask them uh, to explain John 5, 24, Romans 8, 1, or Revelation 1, 7. In fact, here's a little test for you, a little exercise for you. Try and find five Catholic priests anywhere in the world and email them and ask those five Catholic priests anywhere in the world to interpret those verses for you. And you will get five different responses. And on top of that, your replies will be along the lines of, well, I'm not overly sure what this means or what that means. I'll have to get back to you on that. In fact, this goes back to a conversation that I read about some years ago when a well-known individual left the Catholic Church. He was a priest and uh, he met with his bishop and he put some questions to the bishop concerning Mary and along the lines of why do we need Mary? Nobody ever asked her for her opinion once in the scriptures. She told us herself that she was in need of a saviour. Why do we need her? And the bishop wasn't able to give an adequate response. He's been taught from day one to believe what his church has told him. He has been indoctrinated. And therefore, when you get to the scriptures like John 14, 6, or 1 Timothy 2, 5, Hebrews chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4, and so many other verses concerning Christ alone, saving us without his mother's help or any church system, they can't explain it to you. They don't understand it because they are bound to tradition. They're more of a hindrance and a help to you. But anyway, I want to discuss today, if I may, the subject of depression, despair, and doubt. 
and I've read many autobiographies and biographies over the years of many great Christian men and women and I guess the best book to get a hold of when it comes to uh, the two natures of the believer would be David Brainard's diary which when he wrote back in the 18th century wasn't meant for publication it was a private journal and uh, when he died it was released and it's a great book to read and you get a, a very vivid and clear and honest snapshot of a 18th century Puritan who was sent to the Native Americans in Pennsylvania on the east coast of America to win them to the Lord. It's a very tough life for him, a very tough ministry and uh, Brainard was in his 20s when he went to Pennsylvania like I say and he was there for several years and he died just under 30 years of age. His ministry, his life was incredibly hard and he was very lonely at times. He wouldn't always eat properly. He didn't get enough, uh, enough sleep and that's something you need to be careful that you don't uh, neglect. You need sleep. And I made these comments during my holiness message that it's good to get out and walk and it is but it's also good to sleep, to get as much sleep as you can. And if you can, go to sleep at the same time every night. And I'm speaking about seven days a week, not just Monday to Friday and let your head on the weekends. No, if you can, get to bed at the same time every night and get up the same time each morning if you can. Don't oversleep. Don't doze off. Don't close your eyes. Wake up, get up and get going. But Brainard struggled. He struggled with getting enough sleep with getting enough food and I think on top of that he also struggled with the lack of company he went out on his own not always a wise thing to do and uh, as a result he suffered terribly like I say he I think not only was battling the flesh which everybody does sooner or later but on top of that he wanted to be with English speaking people and uh, like I say, if you get a hold of that book, you will discover a great account of a saved man who personally, I think, shouldn't have gone off into that mission, that world, on his own. He should have got married or at least went with others. But that's uh, too late now. He's in glory. But reading through his diary, which, as I say, was a private uh, journal never meant for release he made it very clear how he wanted to just push on and so many times he felt absolutely appalled with himself he saw his old nature and he despised himself and this is the truth if you are saved and you are battling the old man or the old woman if you are battling your old nature you know that you hate it more than anybody else and you may go through a period of time of backsliding being cold and indifferent but deep down in your heart deep down in your soul you are very unhappy you are miserable and you desperately want to get back into fellowship with the Lord but you see sin has now got a hold of you so you were told very clearly to confess your sins 
is that you are told if you say you haven't sinned, you make him a liar. So don't kid yourself. Be honest with yourself. Take a good look at yourself. See yourself as what you are. You see, it's like this. There was a sermon that I heard some years ago, which was an interesting account of a pastor speaking to an elderly lady. And she said to this pastor about another pastor that she was aware of. And she said to this pastor, if you only knew what I knew about pastor such and such. And this pastor turned around and said to a lady, if I knew about you, what the Lord knows about you, I wouldn't give you tuppence. I would spew it in my mouth. That's a true, honest response. You see, many times we can criticize others, we can see fault in others, and yet we don't want to take a look at ourselves. And this pastor was very honest when he put this elderly lady in her place. So don't waste time looking at other people. Take a good, long, hard look at yourself. But Brainard's book, like I say, is a very honest account of life in the 18th century. And on many occasions, he wanted to just die. He was like Moses and Elijah and even Jonah. Those great men wanted to die. They were absolutely exhausted. They were burdened on many occasions with their own problems and those uh, all around them. And the Lord had to step in and give them extra strength. Well, Brainard wasn't any different. He wanted to die and go home to be with the Lord. And sometimes people say to me how they are desperate to go home to be with the Lord. And I understand that, of course I do. And yet allow me to say this, if I may please, that before we go into glory, before we meet our Saviour, before we meet up with the redeemed from yesteryear, we have to be judged by our Saviour. And I'll tell you something, I'm not looking forward to that at all. I know I'm saved, and I know I'm saved by the blood, and I know I'm kept saved by the blood, and yet I am not looking forward one bit to being judged by the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, I was reading Amos a few nights ago, and in that great book, Amos uh, tells us that how foolish it was for certain people who were looking forward to the day of the Lord. And the scripture says that the day of the Lord is a day of darkness. It's a day of judgment. It's nothing to look forward to. And yet I know that term for the day of the Lord is concerning the second coming, not the rapture of the church. And yet you can take that reference to the day of the Lord and apply it to us spiritually. Because we were told by the Apostle Paul that the judgment of the Lord Jesus Christ is a great terror of the Lord. In fact, we were told from the book of Hebrews how it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Fearful thing, an awful thing, a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God, to be judged by an all-holy, all-seeing, all-knowing God. You see, our God is a consuming God. He is a consuming fire and he will judge his children right down to every word, thought and deed. So I'm not overly looking forward to going to the judgment seats of the Lord to be judged. So I'm quite happy and content to continue living my life for him, trying to win souls to him and trying to build those up in the faith. 
But old Brainard, on many times, on many occasions, was too hard on himself. And it goes back to this, that for his schooling, for his uh, education, or his system of belief, he was taught, as are many Calvinists today, that the saint doesn't have an old nature. And because of that, he, on many occasions, doubted his salvation, couldn't understand what was going on, didn't realise that what he was experiencing was quite normal. But because he was raised in the school of Calvinism, because he was taught that there isn't an old nature, he, on many times, on many occasions, had no idea how to understand what was going on in his inner man, inner self. And that's a tragedy, it's also a failure on the part of his environments, of his heritage, of his schooling. You see, he too was indoctrinated. He too went through a system. And I put it to you this morning that that system failed him. That system caused him pain and anguish, which wasn't necessary. And as a result of that, at times he even doubted the existence of God. And that is so sad, so tragic. It's bad enough to doubt your salvation. It's bad enough to be physically and spiritually weak. It's bad enough to be sick. But on top of those things, to also doubt the existence of our great God is just tragic. And again, it goes back to his schooling. It goes back to what he was taught as a young man, preparing for the ministry, preparing for life. And I'll say this, that if you are a saved man or woman, you have two natures. Don't ever forget it. And sometimes those natures will cause you great uh, grief. Other times you will have great periods of joy and uh, satisfaction. But you see, it comes down to this. You have to yield to the Holy Ghost. You have to put the flesh down. You have to be sensitive. You have to keep your ears open. You have to keep your eyes focused on the Lord. In fact, you were told back in the book of Isaiah that those that keep their minds stayed on the Lord have perfect peace. And I'm told that that term, perfect peace, is a double perfect peace. It's a double peace. It's a double in Hebrew, it's like the term, verily, verily, I say unto thee, you must be born again. When the Lord said something twice, he was really affirming something. So that term, verily, verily, it's a double first. It's a double sense of urgency. And therefore the same is true in Isaiah. Those that keep their minds stayed on the Lord have perfect peace. And that's a great thing because you don't need to suffer with depression. You don't need to be in despair. You don't need to have any doubts. But here is the key. Number one, spend time in the book. Number two, spend time in prayer. Number three, get enough sleep. Eat properly if you can. Get up and get out. Do something. Keep moving. I knew a sister some years ago who suffered with arthritis. And she told us that if she didn't get up and move about, her arthritis would deteriorate. She'd be almost a cripple. And therefore she had to get up and get out. 
And the same is true of us as saved people. We've got to get up and get out. We've got to be in the Word of God. And I'll tell you something, if you don't use your mind, if you don't use your intellect, if you don't use the gifts that God has given you, you will lose it. Which means this, that if you neglect something, you will lose it. It's like a language. You learn a language and you're very happy with yourself and it's a great achievement and yet if you don't use it, you lose it. And the same is true of our relationship with the Lord. If the truth be known, we are our own worst enemies. We don't pray like we should. We don't read the Word of God like we should. We don't witness like we should. We don't discipline ourselves like we should. When Paul told you over in uh, 1 Timothy, excuse me, I think it's Philippians, how he could do all things through Christ which strengthened him, he meant just that. He would tell you that whatever state, whatever condition he found himself in, he was content. Go back to the Old Testament, there's an account when David was about to be stoned and David had a meltdown and David wasn't sure how to handle it and it says he found comfort in the Lord. He was contented in the Lord. He was pleased with the Lord. He found joy. He found refuge. He found satisfaction in the Lord. And yet, I think of that old song from the Rolling Stones, I can't get any satisfaction. That's a terrible thing to say. And it may be that was just a song. It may be that Jagger, who wrote the song, didn't literally mean I can't get any satisfaction. And yet, what would Solomon tell us? How all is vanity and the whole meaning of life ultimately is to fear God and keep his commandments. But Jagger's song was very clear to me that he didn't really have the substance or the peace or the joy. And yet the truth of the matter is this, many times we as the redeemed look at the world and the psalmists would also do this and scratch their heads and ask the Lord how could it be possible that such people have so much and yet here am I struggling with nothing. And I'll tell you something as a student of history when I look at the three top singers from the 20th century and I'm thinking of Frank Sinatra and I'm thinking of Elvis Presley and I'm thinking of Michael Jackson those three individuals had so many problems you wouldn't believe two of those three singers were drug addicts two of those three singers were hooked on prescribed medication they couldn't sleep without their fix they needed to have doctors on hand in fact Elvis Presley was so medicated that he almost collapsed. He had to be carried back to his room on many occasions. He was a mess. And you say, why would that be the case? Well, because he had a sin problem. I'll come back to Elvis in a moment. Michael Jackson, they say he was the king of pop and he too struggled to sleep. He struggled to have any real peace and joy and his physician had to knock him out, had to sedate him. Frank Sinatra suffered with bipolar and on top of that was an alcoholic and toward the end of his life I was reading many accounts of Sinatra 
on his knees with his rosary beads, crying and begging God for help, for forgiveness. In fact, I read one account of him sleeping with a gun under his pillow. He was terrified of what was coming for him. Those three men gained the world and yet lost their souls as a result. Elvis Presley was wearing nappies before he died. And in America they call uh, that diapers. Jackson died around 50 years of age of an overdose. Elvis Presley died 42, 43 of drug complications. Howard Hughes, the elusive billionaire. Sinatra would make the ripe old age of 82 and yet he was so torn up inside. He was so troubled. He was such a mess. And yet to behold these three men in the flesh, you would think to yourself how blessed they were. They had the whole world. And yet they died scared. They died lonely. And I believe they died lost, which makes it even worse. So don't allow yourself to look at the outward appearance of a man or mankind, which is what the scripture says, whereas the Lord looks on the heart. Try and look at the world through the eyes of the Lord. We have the mind of Christ. Don't allow yourself to get tossed to and fro and to think that somehow you're missing out on great blessings. Before I got saved, I was a singer and I was a big band singer and I experienced many uh, highs and lows and I was quite successful in that part of my life and other parts of my life and I would say that I was probably satisfied for the most part but I wasn't filled with joy I didn't have a purpose I wasn't making a difference and had I died 14 years ago I would have gone straight to hell you see this is what it comes down to most people whether they are successful or not will leave this world with no legacy nothing to show for their lives and will be quickly forgotten if it wasn't for the news media if it wasn't for all the photographs and the visuals that we see we'd forget these people in fact would you believe that the most photographed man of the 20th century and i'll be surprised if any of you know who that would be but the most photographed man the most filmed man of the 20th century is somebody who you wouldn't necessarily think of and yet I was uh, surprised to learn was Adolf Hitler of all people he was the most photographed and filmed and documented person man or woman of the 20th century and yet if those photographs if all of the video reels of such a person had been destroyed or lost we would have quickly forgotten about him so on the one hand we're able to see those pictures and those visuals and remember such a person and yet when it comes to eternity when it comes to standing the judgment seats of the lord they have no legacy they will be condemned and that's why it's imperative my friends to get your eyes off these people and i gave you some uh, top singers as an example but the women are just the same Whitney Houston died of a uh, drug related illness Judy Garland also died of drink and drugs 
the list goes on and on and on. And yet the world are infatuated with such people. In fact, I'll say this, it may even be that some stars that seem to have it all are suffering with things internally that you can't see and you won't know about until they die and books are released about such people. But let's try and come back to the original message. Let's try and get back to the main points of this walking, talking uh, pulpit to try and stay on track. And let me say this, that what it comes down to is this, that when you got saved, on the one hand, you got the whole world for nothing, thanks to the grace of God. And yet, on the other hand, you got nothing. On the other hand, you are still the same person. If you came blind, you're still blind. If you came deaf, you're still deaf. If you came a cripple, you are still a cripple. If you came to the Lord as a white man, you are still a white man. If you came as a black man or, or an oriental man, you are still a black man or an oriental man. If you came as a woman or a girl, you are still a woman or a girl. You haven't changed. You see, God gives you forgiveness. He gives you everlasting life. He forgives you of your sins. And yet you still, to some extent, are the same person. You still like the same foods to the same extent. I mean, sometimes you may uh, change your diet down the line, of course, and sometimes you may have to uh, be careful what you eat or what you drink. But by and large, you are still the same person. And therefore, if you came to Lord with emotional problems, those problems may remain. And yet, I've experienced perfect peace, I've experienced great joy, I've experienced great happiness, and I've also experienced the opposite to those things as well. Because again, we have to help ourselves, we have to discipline ourselves, we have to yield to the Holy Ghost, we have to do something. Salvation is a free gift, you take it, you receive it, and you're saved but then you are expected to go on. You are expected, you are equipped to live for the Lord and he will do whatever he can to help you achieve that. But you see, you've got to help yourself. And this goes back to what I've been saying over the last little while that if we don't help ourselves, we go into neutral and as a result, we cruise, we go down a road, we stall and if we're not careful, we hit the buffers, we crash, we derail the vehicle and we arrive at the judgment with nothing to show for our lives. Well Brainard, and I will close with this thought, could have avoided that pain but Brainard, like many Catholics, like many religious people, was taught a tradition which isn't scriptural and as a result he experienced great pain, great agony wrestling with thoughts and doubts and worries and thinking that he was a failure when he was greatly beloved and yet why put yourself through this so final thoughts number one don't compare yourself to other people keep your eyes on Christ focus on what he did for you not what you do for him because the moment you stop doing that you will start to see your old man you'll start to see your wickedness. You'll start to remember what you were like before you were saved. And for many of us, that's a pretty 
awful thought to behold. Keep your eyes on, on uh, scripture. Keep your eyes on the Lord. On top of that, get some good books. Get some good Christian materials. On top of that, stay busy. In fact, I know I made a lot of uh, comments during the, uh, the holiness message about getting out. And I know some of you can't get out. And I appreciate that. And yet here's a story that I read about a while ago, which may be of help to some of our disabled friends. There was a woman in a third world country. I can't recall which country it was. And she got saved. And her ministry now is to use the internet to get people saved. And this woman's remarkable because she can't walk, she can't talk, and she's got this joystick which she puts in her mouth and she's able to write with this joystick which goes into her mouth. I guess the joystick for her would be the equivalent of a mouse for us. And she's online day and night witnessing to people all over the world. And according to one report, which uh, documented her story, she was getting people saved. She was answering people's questions. You see, with the internet, there's no excuse now for the Lord's people not to do more for him. So if you can't get out, you have the option to do the next best thing. But if you can get out, if you can exercise, you should do so because we are free part being, body, soul and spirit. And yet, like I said during the first message, and I will repeat myself again, try and get the balance right if you can. If you can walk or swim or do any kind of physical exercise for say 15 minutes a day or 30 minutes a day, try and match that with the scripture. I have experienced great highs as a result of walking, praying and reading. And yet at the same time, I have also experienced great lows as a result of not getting the balance right. It's up to you how much time you can spend doing those things. I know many of you are very busy, so therefore you're going to have to work out for yourselves uh, what will best suit you. But I promise you this, that if you can discipline yourself, if you can get the basics down, if you can get into a habit of doing these things, your depressions will disappear, your doubts will disappear and feelings of despair will disappear and the three terrible D's will be banished from your life but again you've got to help yourself you've got to discipline yourself you've got to sleep properly you've got to eat properly and you've got to read the word of God and pray properly as well so I'm going to sign out and uh, wish you every blessing and I appreciate thoughts and feedback to this new uh, project of mine to walk and talk I put my thoughts down and uh, I will return no doubt when I'm able to and do some more messages along these lines so may the Lord bless you all and Maranatha okay so every blessing to you all and a welcome back to sermon number five part one was on the holiness of God and the holiness of the sinner and the desire to live holy for the Lord and yet we all fall short and when we fall short we are very much aghast with ourselves we despise ourselves we lament over ourselves in fact Jeremiah is called the weeping 
prophet, a very emotional man, and on many counts he is a good type of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, from message number one, I went into uh, message two and three, discussing politics and organised crime and the apostate church. Part four was on the three terrible Ds, depression, doubt and despair. And to some extent, this will be a continuation from sermon number four. But uh, just before I get into number four, being part two to the three terrible Ds, just want to discuss briefly the whole uh, notion of exercise. And uh, some years ago, Patrick wrote about Woodrow Wilson, an American president from the, let's see now, the 20th century. And uh, Wilson was raised as a Calvinist, got into politics, and eventually became the American president. And during his life, he almost lost his eyesight, so much so that his doctors said to him that it would be wise for him to exercise. And I mean walk. And I mean 19 miles a day. Quite remarkable, really, because, as you know, I try and walk around five miles two or three times a week. And when I first started walking, about seven or eight years ago, I was very much out of shape. And during my first walk, I walked around a mile and I got home and I almost collapsed. I was so out of shape, I was sweating. It was pretty uh, awful really to behold. Well, of course, I was able to build on that. I was able to go from a mile to two miles, to 2.5 to three miles, to eventually just under five miles. And I guess if I really had to, I could probably walk six miles and get by, not be in too much discomfort. But you see, it comes down to this, you gotta build up to it. You start off uh, slowly. It's like anything, you got to get used to the pace. It's like if you are an athlete, you don't just start uh, running marathons, you have to build up to it. If you do too much too soon, you're gonna crash. But with Woodrow Wilson, the thought of going completely blind absolutely terrified him. And therefore he went walking every day. And like I say, he would walk some 19 miles. That's quite a walk. Now, I can cover five miles in just over an hour. So I wonder how long it would take him to walk 19 miles. Before I got saved, I remember a chap working where I worked at the time and he was telling a friend of mine how he suffered with awful depression. And he told my friend who told me that to alleviate the depression, he would walk from his home in uh, South London to Gatwick Airport and then turn around and walk back. Let me tell you something, that South London or his home in South London to Gatwick Airport is around 20 miles. It's quite a walk. On top of that, you have to walk via the motorway, known in America as the highway or the autobahn in Germany. The thought of walking from his home 
to Gatwick and then turning around and walking back just shot me. On top of that, he would do it at night time. He was very much up against it and it was kind of sad really to hear such an account. But I guess he had tried uh, everything else and it got down to what else is there uh, available to me. Well, he went for the uh, route of exercise, the option of exercise, and it made a difference to him, I think. On top of that, I seem to recall he was a bit of a drinker. So, on the one hand, if you are saved or unsaved and battle depression or anxiety, exercise is very good for you. In fact, let me, let me just go back to Wilson, if I may. To the surprise of his physicians, he retained his eyesight. So it obviously paid off for him. And my ex-work colleague was able to get closure from his depressions. And yet the truth of the matter is this, that yes, exercise can help with depression. And sometimes depression is linked to sin, but not always. And I mentioned uh, David Brainard last time, who was a great saved man who suffered with depression, doubts, and even despair. And I made the case that part of that was down to the fact that he wasn't uh, taught the two natures of the believer. But he's not the only one to have experienced that. Many Christian women have also had to go down many dark roads. But let me say this if I may and try and uh, further discuss this. Number one, depression can sometimes be linked to sin. And number two, it can also be linked to boredom. If you have got a lot of time in your hands, that's not a good thing. Because with too much time, uh, your mind can start to cruise. And on top of that, the old expression, how the devil makes work for idle hands, uh, very much comes into play. So when people email me and they say that uh, they are struggling with depression or anxiety, I tell them to get busy. I tell them to try and get out of their homes if they can. And if they can't get out of their homes to work online, keep your mind busy, stay active. Don't allow yourself to uh, feed the flesh. Get up and get out. Number two, don't set unreliable goals. Try and be realistic. I think sometimes we plan for things which aren't uh, realistic. We try and achieve goals which can't really be reached. Yes, it was true that Woodrow Wilson was able to walk and get his eyesight back and praise the Lord for that. And yes, it was true to some extent that my former work colleague was able to walk and uh, get victory over his depression, which may or may not have been related to sin, I don't know. I wasn't saved at the time, so what could I really offer him as uh, a way of advice? But what people also do is they try and lose themselves to escapism. For example, they will try and watch a movie and lose themselves for an hour or two. And sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't work. 
And yet when it does work, once the movie has finished, their problems return. It's a short fix, you see. And this is why you've got to take the time and delve a little deeper into uh, what the problem actually is. But like I said last time, when you get saved, you are saved and you are predestinated to be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And yes, you get a partial healing, but you don't get all of your healing. You don't get everything all at once. Your ultimate healing will come in glory. And that's why I made the case that if you have struggled with depression or anxiety or doubts before you got saved, you may still be battling uh, the same. So the key has got to be, and I'm speaking specifically to save people, A, get busy, B, read the word of God, and C, try and get the gospel out. And yet be realistic. I know that from experience, I've been saved 14 years and I've tried very hard to get many people saved and I've given tracts out to a lot of people in my town. In fact, I was estimating only recently that since I got saved, since I moved to my current location, I've probably given out, along with Patrick of course, over half a million tracts and I've spoken to many people, prayed with many people, given many Bibles and DVDs to many people and yet when I see some of those people they walk straight past me and it's somewhat discouraging so on the one hand I think my work is done and yet on the other hand I wonder sometimes if I failed such people during my walk I go through many neighborhoods and sometimes I happen to look into people's windows I don't mean to uh, pry into their affairs I don't mean to be overly nosy but sometimes you can't help but uh, glance into somebody's home and I see many people watching television and watching television and watching television and for many of these people they've had tracks from us we've letterboxed their homes and therefore again what can you do you can't keep flogging a, de a dead horse you don't want to flog a dead horse you don't want to cast your pearls before swine you have to respect people if they don't want to receive the gospel okay fine let them be so don't be overly optimistic be realistic when I first got saved I wrote to many many people friends and family and work colleagues neighbors and people that I just barely knew and I wrote to them with the hope of getting them saved and I sent them tracks and Patrick sent out hundreds of copies of his book from Rapture to Revelation which he wrote and paid for himself to people in this country and in America and many of those books found their ways into UK and US prisons we really wanted to get people saved we still do and yet I think we were perhaps somewhat naive we didn't quite appreciate that people for the most part weren't interested that they loved their sins more than the Lord but that's okay it's best to start off with uh, optimism and drive 
and uh, dedication. I'd rather have started that way than start indifferent, uh, apathetic and fearful. So I have no regrets whatsoever. And I believe when I leave this earth, I would uh, be able to say to some extent to the Lord that I did what I could for people in my town. I did try and speak to them. I gave them tracks and I gave them the plan of salvation. It wasn't my fault that uh, more didn't get saved. We are living during the church of the Laodicea and as a result, fewer people are gonna get saved. Uh, more and more people are gonna remain secular and agnostic. So I'm not gonna be overly hard on myself and I hope you won't be either, especially if you are just starting off. For those of us which have been saved for several years now, we are somewhat long in the tooth. We are somewhat uh, able to say that we know how things work. We're not uh, new to this. We're not novices. So give yourself some goals. Don't be overly uh, naive. Expect to be pushed back with resistance and with foolish arguments against what we believe. Don't take it personally as well. I've spent many a time on the streets and I've seen people walk up to me and laugh in my face and try and get me to back off, try and get me to pack up and uh, leave my spot. And the truth of the matter is this, that such people have got nothing to offer you whatsoever. You see, I was in the world for many years before I got saved, so I've got some experience of what this world is all about. And yet, to come up to me and suggest that what I'm doing is a waste of time, I need to get a life, quote unquote, what can they offer me in place of what I've got? On top of that, I've got a life. I've got eternal life. I am forgiven and I am part of the Lord's royal family. So don't kid me. Don't try and come along and tell me that what I'm doing is a waste of time. You don't know what you're talking about. And I say this to some of you out there who are new to this. Don't allow yourselves to be uh, tossed to and fro. Don't allow yourselves to get off the beaten track. Keep on going. If you make a mistake, if you crash in a theological sense, get up, dust yourself off and keep on going. If you have burnt out, and yes it does happen that people can burn out, rest up. Go back to where you left off. Start afresh. Don't allow yourselves to uh, be overly down in yourself. Don't be uh, too hard on yourself. Don't keep beating yourself up. Get up and get out. Shape up and ship out. Do something. But let me say this as well, that now you are saved, you are equipped, you are anointed to do great things for the Lord. And yet, don't be too surprised if that creates unwanted attention. And I've made the case over the years, and I will repeat myself very briefly now, that what I notice is that since I've been saved, I get unwanted attention. 
from unclean spirits and I can spot them a mile off. I can spot men and women and many times they are part of the occult, I believe, watching me, looking at me and I know they are no friend of mine, they are up to no good and I believe that some of those people are praying against me trying to fraught what I'm doing. So be aware of this. And that's why I tell people, if you can, don't go out on your own. Especially if you are a woman, go out with somebody else. Have somebody to watch your back, if you can. And the same is true of brothers. It's not wise to go out on your own. People say, well, the Lord is with me. Yes, he is, and he's watching over me. Yes, he is, and yet the Lord sent the apostles out two by two. So if you can, go out with somebody else. Not just to uh, watch your back, but to pray for you. To give you a covering, as it were. Because this is a very dark world. This is a very dangerous world. And for the most part, what we are doing is despised by the devil. And he would do whatever he can to put doubts and despair and depressions your way. In fact, I've had many an opportunity and I've had many uh, experiences over the years of going from a great position of height to a great position of uh, being flat on my back, meaning this, that I've gone from achieving great things for the Lord, reaching highs to then being not flat on my back. And of course, sign of the devil is behind that. There's an account back in the book of Daniel where Daniel is praying to the Lord and he's praying for some 21 days for help, for guidance. And the Lord sends, I think it's Gabriel from memory, to get to Daniel and Gabriel arrives. He says, Daniel, you are greatly beloved. What a great thing to hear. But on top of that, he says, I've tried to get here sooner and yet I have been hindered. I've been blocked by the Prince of Persia. A term for evil, a term for uh, Satan, of course, or one of his minions. And therefore I had to get Michael to come and help me. You see, be honest with yourselves. Once you get saved, not only is the world and the flesh against you, but so too is a devil. And he's got his minions and his lieutenants all over the place. So don't be somewhat surprised if you go from a height to a low. If you go from being happy to being depressed. If you go from being on top of the world to being flat on your back. Because the devil and his angels will do what they can to get you off the beaten track. Satan tried to tempt the Lord and failed. He would buffet Paul. He got Peter to argue with the Lord from Acts chapter 10 concerning dietary uh, restrictions and food, so on and so forth. He got John Mark to backslide. He'll have no trouble with you whatsoever. So be realistic. Don't kid yourself. Don't take on too much too soon. And people say, well, I'm going to rebuke the devil. No, you won't. You were told very clearly in Jude that when Michael 
was arguing with the devil over the body of Moses. He said, the Lord rebuke thee. Michael, this great archangel, the chief of the angels, this great powerful being, didn't have the ability or the uh, foolishness to take on Satan himself. He passed it upstairs. He said, the Lord rebuke you. So don't get into this whole, I'm going to bind the devil, I'm going to rebuke the devil mentality because he will bind you. He will tie you up. You're playing with fire. Only Christ would rebuke the devil and get away with it. Everybody else in scripture, Moses, Joshua, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Peter, Paul, John, and the rest were unable to take him on directly. What you can do, however, is to go to the scripture and use the scripture to overcome him and temptations and what have you. So I have to say this because there are some people who think they can go head to head with Satan and win. You can't. The nearest you can come to defeating him is A through the scripture, B through the Holy Ghost, and C through prayer and abstinence. On top of that, you've got no chance whatsoever. I'll say this as well. My reading of the scripture tells me many things. And uh, I'll give you two things that I'm able to glean from scripture. Number one, if you're saved and you walk with the Lord, he will continue to give you much rope to survive, to stay afloat. And yet, if you're saved and you don't walk with him like you should, you don't read the scripture like you should, you don't abstain from uh, all the appearances of evil. That's right, you, you were told to abstain from the appearance of evil. He will send you rope to hang yourself. It's a terrifying thought, but it's true. You see, like I said last time, our God is a holy God. He is a consuming fire. So if you are saved and you're messing around with sin, or if you're saved and you are somewhat lukewarm, you're playing with fire. And sometimes people get off the beaten track and they do their own thing. They're still saved, of course, by the blood and yet they start to drift and they become lukewarm and they become agnostic and I met some of these people in the streets and they say that they are now ex-Christians quote-unquote I'm an ex-Christian they say I'm an expert in the Bible they say and yet they are fools they are for the most part false converts never saved to begin with so don't feel intimidated if you come across an ex-Christian who tells you that he or she uh, once believed what you believe uh, and now no longer does. If they truly believed in the Lord, if they knew the Lord, they wouldn't be able to deny him. You see, it's like this. Let's say uh, you are a parent and you become estranged from your child. You can't turn around and say that you don't know your child, that you never knew your child, because of course you do know your child. That child is part of who you are. And the same is true of those of us which are saved. We are bone of his bone of flesh of his flesh. He can't turn around and say that he doesn't know us or that he never knew us when he does know us. We may not walk with him. We may not be as faithful as we should. Now the rain is starting to come down pretty hard. So be uh, mindful of the rain if you're going to start walking. He can't deny himself. You can deny him and as a result lose rewards at the judgment but he can't deny you so 
keep that in mind because what I am noticing is a continual attack against eternal security and it's pretty sad really when people come along and say that you can lose your salvation if you don't do this or if you don't do that such people are ignorant of the atonement number one such people couldn't explain to you imputation if their life depended upon it and number two such people don't really uh, see themselves the way the Lord sees them wicked from top to bottom there's a scripture in John chapter 2 the last verse which uh, speaks about those that came to the Lord and how the Lord didn't need to have any man testify of him because he knew what was in men that's profound he doesn't need you or I to do anything for him that's right he doesn't need you or I to do anything whatsoever for him it's not our job to get people saved that's the work of the Holy Spirit yes he may use us and sometimes he does and thank him for that praise him for that but the actual job of getting a sinner saved and justified and sanctified and eventually adopted is the work of the Holy Spirit the Holy Ghost that's his uh, ministry that's his purpose all we can do is point people to the Savior so I will say this and conclude this message as the rain is starting to come down now a set yourself some goals make sure they are reachable and realistic and practical goals to reach number two read the scriptures daily New Testament Old Testament the Psalms try and bounce back and forth if you can I've just finished reading Malachi and I think I must have started back in either January or March of this year and it's taken me a while to finish the Old Testament I'm not uh, a slow reader and yet I'm not a fast reader so read the scriptures and on top of reading the scriptures write down the verses and meditate upon them that's a great way to really understand what's going on you know we live in a generation now where we are so spoilt for what we can and can't do we can go online and we can read reference bibles and commentaries and lexicons and we can get 20 bibles line them all up and cross-reference them we are so spoilt for choice and yet for the most we neglect the gift that the lord has given us for the most part we and i include myself are lazy ungrateful indifferent and somewhat pitiful so keep your eyes on the lord jesus christ he and he alone is the author and finisher of our faith and therefore we don't save ourselves he saves us he gets us made to be and it's important that we never forget that because too many people think that they have to do something that somehow they have to become junior partners with the lord when it comes to their salvation that is foolish that is an affront you can't save yourself whatsoever when the Lord Jesus Christ said it is finished he meant just that it is finished uh, mission accomplished my work is done on the earth I pay for the sins of the world and if you trust in that I will save you and if you don't trust in that I will condemn you so be practical be realistic but above all do something do something and I promise you 
you will see changes in your life. Eat properly, sleep properly, exercise regularly, read the scripture as much as you can, share the Lord Jesus Christ with those that you come into contact with, and yet don't take it personally when they reject the message. Don't be overly hard on yourself when you fall and stumble, and you will be uh, realistic as to the fact that you're no good, your flesh is no good, your flesh has not been redeemed, that's right, your flesh has not been redeemed, your spirit was redeemed, your soul was redeemed, but your flesh wasn't and can't and never will be redeemed. So understand that you're no good, understand that salvation is of the Lord, not of man, don't run before you can walk, but above all, get up, get out, shape up, ship out, and do what you can for the Lord. And I will pray for you, and I will do what I can to support you, but more importantly, the Lord will stand with you. He will do what he can to get you from A to B. So I'm going to conclude this message. The rain has stopped now, but uh, I'm still conscious of the traffic and I know some of you appreciate this new uh, concept of mine and some of you don't. Some of you have said that the noise is somewhat of an irritant and I understand that, I do appreciate that. So what I think you might want to do is get some headphones, get some earphones and plug them in, put them into your ears, that does allow you to hear what I'm saying somewhat more clearly and yet I will say this finally that what you're getting from me you wouldn't get from the open air pulpit that's the truth of the matter see when you walk not only is it good for you but your heart is working twice as much as it would normally do which means more blood is being pumped around your body which allows you to uh, be more energetic and for me it allows me to discuss more subjects and uh, cover more uh, themes than I probably would normally do standing for an hour and a half at the open air pulpit. So I like this new method of mine, this new model and I'm still perfecting it like I say so bear with me if you are hoping that I'm going to get better at walking and talking and recording. Practice makes perfect, well that's true to some extent, but from my experience practice makes better. So I'm out of time, going to wish you every blessing, every happiness, and uh, keep your chins up, keep your minds stayed on the Lord, and if you're not saved, get saved, and if you are saved, but are drifting, get back into the scripture, get back into fellowship with the Lord, and I guarantee you within about five minutes, you will experience that old love, that old peace, that old joy that you so desperately miss. So bless you, and I will speak to you all soon in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.